Let's go, JKL community. I'm your host, Justin, aka Just Tries, and we're back talking vulnerability, learning, and growth mindset. We have a goal to help you own your big dreams, so be sure to hit us up at Just Keep Learning and let us know how we can help. Our guest today decided that she wanted to do her own thing as an entrepreneur. Once she decided, her mentor helped her show the world by jumping without a parachute and figuring it out along the way. In this episode, we have great conversations about growing on social media and how to get started in the NFT space. We also got into the podcast she recently started and all the exciting things she sees coming up. You can find her on Twitter helping people learn to navigate Web3. She's a great role model for the modern entrepreneur. Please welcome to episode 21, Jennifer Sudo, aka Jenny from the blockchain. All right. So if you were to come into a high school business class, let's say, and we were talking NFTs and creator economy, how would you introduce yourself? Like, who are you and kind of what do you do? I would say that I am a an NFT collector and I collect so many different NFTs, uh, Ethereum-based ones, NBA Top Shop moments. I also have an NFT podcast that I co-host. Uh, I also do the uh, social media and marketing for Evaluate Market, which is like an NFT analyzer website. And that's what I would say. <laughs> That's cool. So I'm sure we'll get into all these different things, you know, podcasting, social media, marketing, NFT specifically, business in general. It's just, it's all interesting stuff and it's modern. But first I noticed paintings behind you. So do you like art in general? Like, is that part of what brought you into the NFT space? Um, so well, not really. I'm not really. Yeah. Uh, actually, this artist, um, Kristen Lin, she actually, I actually met her at an, an art gallery in LA, and this is number eight of 50. She made 50 of these, and um, I ended up ordering it online from her, and I just liked her work. And this I got on Etsy because I wanted um, some like Bitcoin art, and there's like the Bitcoin in the glasses. Anyway, I just think it's cool, and I just like to have it as background. Yeah, it's just nice. And is your overall brand, I know, like I saw Jenny from the blockchain, that's pretty cool. So is that kind of the overall <laughs> personal brand that you're working from? Is that what you're becoming known as? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I, you know, I was uh, really early on NBA Top Shot. I was one of the first couple thousand users. And so I was, I started making a YouTube channel and creating content. And I was kind of one of the first content creators to kind of grow a following, I guess uh, you could say. And and so my name on there was Jennifer Top Shot. So a lot of people know me as Jennifer Top Shot if they're NBA Top Shot collectors. But then as I started getting into Ethereum-based projects, you know, I have a, a lot of really awesome, I have a cool cat. I have a House of Keep a membership, uh, a MediKey, just some really great um, NFTs. And I decided, you know what, I need my ENS and I, I want to get, I got jennifersudo.eth, you know, of course. But then I was like, somebody had suggested suggested to me, actually it was NFT Anonymous. I don't know if you know him, but he's a cool dude. And he was like, you should secure Jenny from the blockchain.eth. Like it's like genius, you know, it's like Jenny from the block, but it's like blockchain. And I was just like, oh, that's super clever. So yeah, let me buy it. <laughs> Yeah, it's cool. It looks cool. You can definitely see why it would kind of take off if, if you wanted it to. So already a lot of things there kind of brought up in terms of things that people probably don't know anything about. So what is NBA Top Shot? 
That's a good question. So let's rewind a little bit. So MBA Top Shot was created by Dapper Labs and Dapper Labs actually created the first NFT, the first ERC721 token, CryptoKitties back in 2017. And so um, I actually had CryptoKitties before I had um, MBA Top Shot moments. And anyway, they they uh, came out with the public beta of MBA Top Shot. Uh, basically, it's a platform where you can digitally collect moments. So like these video clips of, you know, uh, NBA players uh, and like pop popular moments in history and also, you know, currently happening maybe in the playoffs or, you know, things like that, just like special moments that you can actually digitally own. And there's fun things around it that make them more valuable, such as like, you know, the scarcity aspect, there's different rarities, common, rare, legendary. There's also challenges that, you know, you can complete and quests and just all this different Uh, fun stuff. But basically, you know, you're able to actually digitally own things. It's kind of like, you know, basketball cards, but you know, they're, they're clips, they're video clips and you know, they're, they're on the blockchain. Um, Dapper actually built their own blockchain flow, flow blockchain, which is what NBA Top Shot is on. It's pretty cool. And you know, Dapper Labs, their mission is to introduce the blockchain to a billion people. And I do really feel like NBA Top Shot is one of their avenues to doing that. They're going to be partnering with the NFL. So they're going to be creating a similar platform for the NFL. They announced that they were going to be partnering with uh, La Liga. So there's going to be soccer uh, moments that you can collect. And it's just so exciting. You know, they're really doing a lot in the space. Roham, he's the CEO and founder, and he's just amazing and really trailblazing the way through the NFT space. It's really neat to watch. I know that there's a lot of people, myself included, who kind of at that time uh, when Top Shot first came out, might have like looked into it, looked it up, checked out a couple of the NFTs and then kind of like, was like, okay, that's cool. I'll move on. What do you think attracted you to like actually taking that deeper dive and becoming uh, your own person like involved in Top Shot? Oh, yeah, I went when I first found out I went all in I was buying so many packs and so many moments I put a lot into it. But it was because I had gotten into cryptocurrency back in 2017. And I really didn't understand crypto or blockchain, obviously, when I first heard about it. So I was just spending a lot of time listening to podcasts and, you know, trying to learn as much as I can. And so I I remember even learning about crypto kitties back then, even though I didn't dive into it, but just kind of learning about how, you know, blockchain is the future and and then like discovering MBA a top shot and realizing that oh my gosh this was gonna be like the gateway drug basically for you know to introduce the masses to kind of like blockchain technology and cryptocurrency and just all that you know just going down the rabbit hole and i felt like you know since nba top shot it's a centralized platform you know you can use fiat you know us dollar um you don't have to use cryptocurrency but you can if you want and it's just really easy it's just really simple and easy and um and it's fun and i just felt like you know when i got in it was like it was so early and you know they just opened the public beta and i knew i just i don't know i just knew that it was going to be big because i knew that there were so many basketball fans and it was like this was kind of you know the first thing that was really big that was on the blockchain i mean crypto kitties but that but it was like you know they're just cat pictures but it's like nba top shot moments like i don't know that's like so much more um enticing i think to a lot of people and i i definitely was enticed by it as well and you know i don't even really watch basketball i just like collecting moments really yeah you don't have to watch you know basketball you just have to have some money and people hate when i say that but it's true 
So would you say that it's something that somebody could get into now as still an early project or something to check out if they've never done anything in the collecting of NFT space? Definitely. Uh, first of all, NBA Top Shot also just launched WNBA Top Shot. That's really exciting. You can actually get the very first dunk in WNBA history from Lisa Leslie from 2002 uh, for like, I don't know, 1.4K right now, which I think is underpriced. I'm trying to buy it myself. But actually, it is a good time to get in because basically we had this crazy run up where the floor prices of these different tiers and of all the moments just kind of skyrocketed. Uh, and that was because a lot of the daily fantasy sports people came in and they're like, you know, big gamblers. And so they were doing a lot of speculative buying and selling and it was just, and you couldn't really withdraw at the time. NBA Top Shot really wasn't like, uh, they were trying to, you know, they're building to scale, but they weren't there yet. And so a lot of people didn't have withdrawal access. And so, you know, if you sell something, you just accumulated dapper balance, but then it's like, well, you can't withdraw. What else are you going to do? You're just going to put it back in. So it was kind of creating this, like, it was not good actually. And so everything was just kind of ballooning. And then of course, you know, things started coming down and, you know, things really started kind of taking a dive and they kept, they kept kind of dropping. So I do think this is a good time to get in. Like, um, just to give you some perspective here, S1 Commons at the peak was the floor was like $125 for, for like the very cheapest one. Right now the floor is $32. So it's like, you know, there's room to grow again. And I do believe it will grow again. There are um, half of 500,000 uh, users, half a million users on the platform that have at least one moment in their account. And that's really not that many um, if you think about it. So I think there's definitely room for, for um, more growth. And uh, NBA Top Shot really hasn't done, you know, too much marketing yet. So yeah, definitely a good time to get in. And especially if you're just trying to dip your feet into the NFT space, I think NBA Top Shot is a great thing for beginners because you can actually use, you know, your, your debit card, your credit card, you can use USD and you don't have to use crypto or, you know, Ethereum or whatever. It's, I think it's pretty easy, simple, and yeah, I would recommend it if you, if you uh, want to get into the space. That's really good for people to know because getting into the space is obviously still one of the biggest challenges for people who are in the space, you know, like you and me. And then it feels like a ton of people if you're hanging out on Twitter or anything these days, but there really aren't that many people like you were mentioning with Top Shot still pretty early. And so that's, I think, any opportunity for that gateway opportunity for people to come into it is, is definitely cool. So that's what I was curious about because I've been in NFT projects, but not top shot per se. I'm sure we'll talk a lot about NFT projects and kind of like the ins and outs of maybe building one or collecting. But I'm just curious before we get into that, just blockchain technology in general. Again, for beginners, we've used the term blockchain, I guess, just an overarching idea of what that even means for people. I would say the easiest way that I like to describe the blockchain is basically an upgraded version of the internet. So basically a more like secure, permanent, efficient version of the internet. It's basically just a better version of the internet. And, and then so everything that's, you know, built on the blockchain, it's like things are on chain. People call it on chain instead of online, it's on chain. And, you know, the cool thing about things being on chain is that they're actually permanent. And that's really awesome because the, the internet was kind of like built on a faulty foundation. So the blockchain solves a lot of those problems. That's what's really exciting. And it's also um, decentralized, which means that there's no one central authority. So for example, like you get your money, you have your money in the bank or whatever, right? And the bank, they manage your money 
they're in control of your money and they're loaning it out to people and stuff. And then it's like, you you know, if you want to make a, a $100,000 purchase, you need like permission. Like sometimes they even block you from, from buying things. They're like, oh, this might be fraud, you know? But with cryptocurrency, it's all decentralized and there's no central authority. It's actually just basically a bunch of computers that are keeping track and records of things. You don't need permission. <laughs> You don't need permission from somebody, you know, you just, I can send Bitcoin to somebody in Sri Lanka and, you know, I don't have to go through all these different hoops. I don't have to pay all these like different fees and stuff. And it's just simple. And, you know, it cuts out the middleman, which is nice. You're your own banker, basically, like you're your own bank and you're in control of, you know, your, your own wallet and everything. And so, of course, there's a lot to be learned about cybersecurity and everything. And there's always people getting scammed in the space and such. But yeah. Yeah, you kind of read my mind a little bit. I was going to say to not even play devil's advocate because we're both bullish on the idea of crypto, on the idea of decentralization and everything that comes along with that. It's definitely a good thing overall, but I was going to say that what are some negatives or things that you think are a little bit dangerous in the space right now? I do kind of worry for some people that just get enticed by the idea of making money in the NFT space and they just kind of rush into things. Like for example, you know, setting up your MetaMask wallet. Also people storing their passwords digitally, like storing their passwords online. It's like, that also worries me. You know, I know some people that do that and I'm just like, no, never store your passwords online. Like, you know, go old fashioned, write it on a piece of paper, you know, a couple pieces of paper and, you know, put them in secure places because you don't want to get hacked and you don't want to get all of your stuff taken from you because there's no, you know, customer support you can go to. You know, there's no like, oh, this happened to me. I got scammed. Like, can you help me? You know, if if somebody steals your credit card and does a bunch of charges on it, you can just call up, you know, the credit card company and be like, hey, like, actually, that wasn't me. And they'll be like, oh, okay, let me just give you the money back. Like, that's fine. You can't just do that. If somebody wipes your MetaMask wallet, then you're screwed. Nobody to go to it to help you. Let's go there for a second because MetaMask is probably a term that a lot of people won't know. So, and wallets in general, let's kind of talk true beginner course. You're trying to help somebody get it set up to make their first transactions on Ethereum. Let's say kind of what are the steps if you were just telling, let's say a friend that was like, hey, I'm finally ready to get in this. What do I do? You're trying to help them stay safe and get them started without getting overwhelmed. What are the step by steps? So first, set up a MetaMask wallet. So I think it's just metamask.io. And, you know, be careful, never click on any um, other links. Just type it directly into the URL and bookmark it. (laughs) I mean, it kind of guides you, actually. I just recently helped my aunt set up a MetaMask account. It kind of guides you and tells you certain things, which is really nice. I don't think it was like that when I set up mine. But anyway, yeah, make sure your password's super complicated, not something that's like your last name and like your birthday year or something. You know that people sometimes make their passwords like super easy. You cannot do that. Make sure it's super complicated and write it down, write it down like you kind of shouldn't be able to remember it like it should be super complicated I would say at least 16 characters but you know you can you can do whatever you want write it on a couple different pieces of paper and secure that in different locations of course that's kind of like the basic some people go above and beyond that but just like if you're just starting out like I would do that and then um, your seed phrase is basically if you ever forget your password you need your seed phrase in order to like reset your password you can't just reset your password if you forget it if you forget your password and you don't have your seed phrase you're screwed you don't 
have access to your wallet anymore and everything you have is just gone. But um, make sure you like write down your uh, seed phrase and really keep that in a secure location as well and, you know, multiple locations. And then you're really good to go. It's kind of, I think it's pretty straightforward after that. Go to OpenSea, shop some NFTs, you know, look into different projects. And then, yeah, oh yeah, you have to buy Ethereum. which you can buy on like Coinbase. Coinbase is like the most user-friendly exchange, I would say. Yeah, I use Coinbase. And then you can just send it over to your MetaMask. I don't know, maybe maybe that sounded complicated, I don't know. No, I think it's all right. And that's the interesting thing, right? And in any endeavor or any creative thing or any business venture, as people become experts, it's so hard to then break things down into their simplest parts for people. But there's lots of good blogs and like videos that are scripted and pre-written to help people. And there's lots out there, like you said, the, the MetaMask tutorial, for example. But no, I think that was really good. I use Crypto.com and Coinbase. I think those are the only two I've used. I think one time I bought directly in the MetaMask wallet, which wasn't ideal either because of like fees and stuff. With respect to the seed phrase, so this is an interesting thing. A lot of people have screwed up like storing their passwords and seed phrase and things online already because they haven't necessarily gotten scammed, but they'll be in a Discord having a conversation and they're like, oh, wait, I shouldn't have done that. And a lot of people have learned and they're going to continue to learn. If somebody did that, is it as simple as like you would suggest they just start a new wallet and transfer everything? Or what should people do, do you think? It depends on the situation. It depends what happened. You know, it's really a case by case basis. I mean, I've never been scammed or anything before. My sister has lost the keys to her wallet. She she forgot her password and she didn't have her seed phrase and she lost all her crypto kitties that she had back from like 2018. They're, they really get creative with those scams. And I, you know, it's nice to kind of see the different ways people are getting scammed simply to kind of educate yourself. A lot of the times they're basically just manipulating you into you giving them your Ethereum or your NFTs. So a lot of the times it is user error. It is your fault. Nobody likes to hear that, but it's like, usually it's like maybe you're trying to trade and you, you know, you're really not supposed to trust people on the internet that you don't know, but people get really excited and they just think, you know, that they can trust somebody. But a lot of the times it's not even somebody hacking you it's just somebody scamming you and you know just being um dishonest and trying to manipulate you out of your eth but also never type in your seed phrase anywhere you know unless you're trying to reset your password if anything ever asks you for your seed phrase do not put your seed phrase in there like that's a scam you know you will never be asked for your seed phrase ever unless you're resetting your metamask password There's been two times where I've been like super scared. And once was, I think, adding the MetaMask app on my phone can't remember. I've entered it once, but it seemed legit. And then the other time was when the internet wasn't working and I was in OpenSea, or I think actually OpenSea was down that day or something was going on because I went to Twitter and everyone was like, yeah, OpenSea crashed or whatever, but like nothing was loading. It was one of those moments where it was like, oh, so is this, now am I experiencing what I've heard about all these horror stories about people getting scammed, right? It's like, is everything gone? And like your heart sinks and you're like, uh, but it was just the internet being super laggy. And a few seconds later, it all uploaded and all my JPEGs started getting back there to I was like, it's, 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 it's like a scary kind of concept, you know? Also, when you first set up your MetaMask, they do make you retype in your seed phrase just to like confirm it. So like they will make you like retype it in like when you first set it up your wallet. So just know that as well. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting thing. I think that as the space of as a whole, cybersecurity and really clamping down on that is going to be massive because I think there are a certain amount of people who have patience for it right now. Like I know someone who lost a bored ape, which was obviously really valuable, but then they just stuck with it and they kept figuring 
figuring it out because they love NFTs. They love the space. But as more and more people who are, you know, you're trying to hit the middle of that curve and get later adopters and stuff, they're not going to have time for that. So that's what I'm really interested in to see what platform can really step up and say, like, we have some kind of way. And I don't know what it is because it still has to be decentralized. But a lot of people who have gotten scammed, like I've seen it in the V Friends Discord where, yeah, user error for sure. But in some cases, they've had like an airdropped NFT that looks like super legit. It's so hard to tell, right? Like I got one today that was legit and I still like, I didn't even want to click on it or interact with it at all, right? I reach out to the person and be like, yo, was that real that you sent me? And it's like, it's a weird world right now because it's still like kind of the wild west a bit. They sold it or did whatever they did to click on it and interact with it. And then they watched their wallet disappear in all their NFTs. Yeah, and it's crazy to, to think about and see, but I would have to think, and I'm not a technological savvy person myself, but there's gotta be someone out there in the, that can think of of like a way to have that go through some layer or something, right? Because I have seen a lot of people track those people down and get NFTs back mm-hmm. and some crazy oh, things really? like that, get them which back. is super wow. cool. Oh yeah, there's some crazy, like uh, you could probably have a documentary already about the vigilante sort of good people out there who like hunt those things back, you know? Lots of cool <laughs> stories that. like that. Uh, so we'll get, like I said, into to projects a little bit more afterwards, but I just wanted to talk about blockchain a little bit. Did we even define NFT? I guess that's something we should do. Oh yeah, maybe we should. Well, NFT stands for non-fungible token. So basically, it's just a unique digital asset that you can own. So it's like a digital collectible. It's my simple way of saying. Boom. It's simple, which is important because the only way I would elaborate is to tell people that basically the opportunity is endless in terms of what owning that asset can do, which is pretty cool. So I guess just to take it back a little bit or like way back, because a lot of this podcast is about learning and lifelong learning, school and education and kind of where the world exists right now, because you had to learn all this stuff about NFTs. You had to learn about the blockchain. You had to learn about the creator economy. What's that? Yeah, always learning. And that's that's the big theme, right? With this kind of brand of just keep learning and that whole idea of trying things. So I guess first off, just in general, how did you or where did you learn all about this stuff? I mean, I would say really a, a lot of it is a combination of doing myself, you know, just like doing things and, you know, learning uh, through experience, uh, learning through Twitter, you know, really following the right people is is very important. You know, making sure you're following the super smart people in the space that I, I try to hunt those people down so I can follow them and read all their tweets. Learning through those people. Um, I don't know if you know Richard. He has a CryptoPunk as his profile. He's a great follow. I love following him. R-I-C-H-E-R-D. Yeah. And he always talks about cybersecurity and stuff. He's great. And just a combination of those three things really and just you know the people you meet in the space learning a lot through through others um if you're looking to get into the nft space or you know start learning more twitter is kind of like the social media for nfts right now i mean discord too but twitter is kind of a lot easier because you can follow people and stuff like that and yeah so twitter i would say twitter i've learned a lot from Yeah, it's such an interesting, I won't say comeback for Twitter because everyone has gone to Twitter for the news for the last like five years. You know, that's why I invested a couple of years ago in Twitter because you could just see like, where do all all the eyeballs go when something happens in the world? It's not Instagram. It's not even TikTok. It's, you know, those are like by happenstance, you know, for sure. It's like to Twitter to see what's trending and kind of what's going on and stuff. So the fact that they capture this NFT audience is is really neat. It's been crazy to watch play out because they're adding video, they're adding communities, they've added spaces and, and this kind of stuff. For those who have never used Discord, like what is Discord? 
Discord is basically a bunch of different communities that you can join and there's like different channels. It's basically just a giant chat room and there's a ton of different chat rooms that you can join. And then within the chat rooms, there's different channels and you can talk about different things from there. And so a lot of different projects and companies, you know, I work for Evaluate Market, like I think I said earlier, and you know, we have a Discord and it's like, we'll have our announcements channel where we will announce like when big things are happening, you know, with us. And then it's like, we'll have general channels where people can chat and just things like that. Discord is just kind of a more um, niche way to communicate with your audience and with other people um, that are interested in the same thing. Yeah, that's awesome. When it comes to other people in this space, you mentioned Richard, and uh, are there others that kind of come top of mind, like that people should kind of follow and learn from the right people, as you put it? Yeah, I mean, there's so many of them. There's a lot of them. And honestly, I'm not like the best with names, but uh, DCL uh, DCL blogger, he's great. And he, Maddie is his name. He's been in the space for years. I like following the people that have been in the space for years. <sighs> I'm trying to think who else. See, the thing is, I'm more of a visual person, so I think about their avatars. But the thing is, people are also always changing their avatars. And so I'm like, who are you again? Yeah, I mean... (laughs) DCL blogger, I guess he would, I would say he's he's great. And he does live streams every single day on YouTube and just talks about what's happening in the NFT space. So he's like an awesome dude. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I didn't realize that. I'm going to check that out because I have enjoyed following his stuff. I have a pinned tweet right now where I asked like, who are the people in the space that are exactly those people you mentioned, like respectful, good leaders, you know, people can look up to and learn from. And when I do my own Genesis mini project, which is just like a fun little thing for my birthday, it's the, the one to of one aspect of it is going to be each one of those paying tribute to someone. So I had tweeted that and asked like who else would people tag or whatever because there's so there are so many good ones too, right? It's not like super easy to tell them apart, but I think that's the most important thing is you find those few people and you can just ride with them for sure, which is so different than, you know, how we traditionally learned in school. And so I don't like to knock that part of like learning on this show per se because there's like a time and place for different things, but how did you find school for you when you were actually like in education, be it elementary school or high school or college. Yeah, I I did go to college and I graduated, but it was like, I was just kind of going through the motions and just kind of like, all right, I'm just here to like do my work, get it done and then go, you know, like I didn't do much in school besides that. I just really wanted to just be done with school. But I mean, college was a little better because you could kind of um, choose what you wanted to learn about. You know, I wanted to learn about psychology. So I was like taking psychology classes and it was fun. But at the same time, it's like, you know, I it's like homework. It's like, why do I have to do homework? Why can't I just learn things and then recite them back? or something. But uh, yeah, I'm definitely happy to be out of college. That's for sure. Yeah, traditional schooling is like, you know, everyone has to go through it. But I mean, yeah, I definitely learned so much more after school. Definitely learned so much more after school, I feel like. like. That's what I love seeing. And it's so important to use like a quick term, I guess, you know, Brene Brown talks about it. Seth Godin talks about it. Carol Dweck, these people who are big time authors and talk about this idea that like you never stop learning. The interesting thing for me that I realized the other day, it kind of clicked was I was like, I'm getting so much better at learning each year because like how fast I learned things about NFTs was faster than I learned, let's say about online business and the different things that I've learned, you know, fitness was maybe right before that. Like every time you learn, you learn a little more efficiently, which is super cool. Um, Was that the same way for you in high school? Did you feel kind of the same way there too? Yeah, I was also just going through the motions trying to be done. (laughs) 
What about at that point, did you have passions that were specific at that time, like be an athlete or an artist or a doctor or whatever? So I didn't really know what I wanted to be. And yeah, I was definitely a lot more like shy and reserved and not as much of like a go-getter in high school and such. And it wasn't until my sister actually dropped out of college while I was still going. And she started taking, um, Ty Lopez had come out with like these different courses. I love Ty Lopez, by the way, and everyone always knocks him, but anyway. And so I started learning from the courses too. I started taking his 67 steps and like, you know, I took his cryptocurrency course and everything, just learning about all these different things. And I was like, oh my God, like I realized that there's so much more to life than just like school and, you know, getting like a big kid job after that. And um, I kind of decided that I didn't want to like be, I didn't want to like work for like a corporation. I wanted to just like do my own thing. And, um, and so, yeah, I really became more confident and like, you know, um, more ambitious uh, during college, not from college, but from learning um, outside of college and, you know, from taking these like independent courses and stuff like that and just learning uh, through that method. And, and then I started going to a ton of entrepreneur event, events, like started like flying around everywhere, just trying to like meet different people, connect with everyone and, and learn different things. And, you know, a lot of cool opportunities came from that. I've had a fun life so far and, you know, really just getting started. I'm 26. I move every single year too. That was another thing, you know, changing up your environment is also super important because it helps you, it's like, um, it helps you become more open-minded because you're constantly experiencing new cultures and, and different environments and such. So every year I like to move, you know, switch it up. So what are the places you've lived? I've lived in Cali, Arizona, Florida, Washington, North Carolina. I lived in Wisconsin for a little bit, but that was when I was a baby. And I'm about to move again uh, to Oregon. My lease is up in a month. <laughs> Kind of all over the map. That's cool. When it comes to uh, Ty Lopez, why do you think people hate on him? Because they just saw his ad and they just saw his ad kept popping up and they just got annoyed. And yeah, okay, if I would see his ad all the time, if that's all I saw, then I would probably get annoyed too. But, you know, once you actually started to like follow his content and actually, you know, listen to his podcast and stuff, like he's a really smart dude and he would always connect with other really smart people. And um, I just loved listening to his podcasts and, um, you know, he would do interviews and everything. And I just loved, you know, consuming his content. I think people just kind of didn't really do much research in into him, but they just, it was like surface level hating. Judging a book by its cover a bit. Yeah. And so I have a Ty Lopez course. I've just never taken it yet. <laughs> hey. <laughs> it's just sitting somewhere there in, in like my Google Drive or whatever. Like and it was one of the early e-commerce ones. And I think that's a classic thing, right? Like people buy up a course and then don't end up taking it. One of the things that I struggle with sort of like existentially or like with what I'm trying to create here is like formalizing learning. So i.e. into a course, you know, units the same way Ty Lopez would have like created any of his curriculum or things that he taught people in, in those courses. And then having this belief that learning should be free and accessible by all, yet a lot of people, when they pay for something, they pay attention. So there's that sort of like double-edged sword to it all. What do you think about like when it comes to online courses and stuff like that versus just learning on YouTube? Oh, yeah. I mean, you can definitely just learn on YouTube. I mean, there's so much free content out there. But yeah, like you said, you know, a lot of people don't value things that they don't pay for, you know, and you got to put some skin in the game. Yeah, you should have to pay. You should put some skin in the game. But if you, uh, you know, don't have much money, it's like, yeah, literally everything that you could buy, you could probably learn for free. Just have to, you know, dig deep enough. Yeah, there's so much free stuff out there. You know, YouTube is amazing. 
you mentioned uh, deciding that you wanted to be an entrepreneur. And I think you, you said do your own thing. That's the dream of many. And I think it's becoming the dream of many more, even not just high schoolers or college aged kids. It could be like adults wanting to side hustle or just sick of their job after 10, 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. So when you said that you knew you wanted to kind of what was that switch for you? Like, why why did you know that you wanted to do your own thing? I guess I just wanted to do what felt fun to me. And I don't know, I just really didn't know what I wanted to do after college. So I was just like serving in restaurants. And I was like serving, you know, during college and stuff. And I was just like, uh, I, you know, the only thing I liked about serving was I could talk to people. That was super fun. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do. But then um, my sister and I, uh, we started a, a business together. We started a glitter company, did that for a couple years. And then we pivoted and... Remember when I told you when I went to a bunch of like entrepreneur events? We basically became like social media managers for this one entrepreneur event that happened in like a ton of different cities. They were doing a whole tour. Did that. That was fun. Then that ended. Then we basically became like TikTok content creators and we like grew a large following and figured out how to make a living from it. You know, started reaching out to brands, you know, securing our own brand deals and all that. I became like her manager and I also secured my own deals and stuff. And that was super fun. You know, just kind of like pivoting and doing these different things and then stumbling onto NBA Top Shot, getting really into that. And then uh, Evaluate Market saw my YouTube videos reached out to me and they're like hey come work for us and I was like ooh startup that sounds fun and I I love working with uh, the guys at Evaluate Market they're awesome it's so cool working for them and also being able to do my own thing you know I just like doing what's fun I just like having a fun life and if you're if you're working at a job that you don't like this is literally your life like you could just quit and get another one like you know it's not that hard but people make it hard on themselves like they they create these mental roadblocks yeah, for sure. And that's the the sort of it's not that hard part, I think, is what people love to hear. And then they'll like maybe turn this podcast off because it's been such a good episode. and They're all jacked up and like hype and they're like, let's do this. And they're like, OK, <laughs> so where do I start? Right. Yeah. So um, I was going to ask you to kind of take us through that journey to where you got to now, but you did a really good job of that. Let's speak quickly just to uh, evaluate market. Like, what do they do as a business? And I guess, do you have like specific hours? How, how does it look like working for them and being able to do your own thing? So Evaluate Market is an NFT analyzer site. We started out analyzing NBA Top Shop moments and like portfolio values and everything and checking the sales history on stuff. And then we decided to branch out and really, you know, broaden what we can do. And and now we support like 15 different Ethereum and flow-based projects. But no, there's no like hours. I mean, I just, you know, work really whenever and they're super flexible with stuff too. Like I can pretty much take time off whenever as well and they're they're really awesome about that but yeah there's no we all work in different states like you know it's just all online and everything and it's super fun working from home I love it I feel passionate about um, working for evaluate as well and and now we just started doing influencer marketing and so I get a I get to now be on the flip side of the coin and I get to reach out to content creators you know and which is really fun because I was on the other side of it and so it's like fun to kind of now be on both sides you know yeah it's you know startup culture is like totally different than corporate culture you know there's no nine to five i mean i tell them i wake up at 10 a.m like they know that so they'll message me before then but i'm always i'm always up super late you know i'm up at 2 a.m and stuff so yeah so being up late do you find that's like the kind of physiological biological thing you're a quote-unquote night owl or is it more about that's when you find there's work to be done and you're more effective or like why are you a night person 
I took a test. I had had this class in college about personalities or something. And there was like different categories. And one of them was about, yeah, like, are you a night owl? Are you um, a morning? What is it called? Like a morning? Early bird? <laughs> yeah, something. Like, and then like a lark or a hummingbird. There was like three different ones or something. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I found out I was a night owl, which I knew because I've always been a night owl. I've always stayed up super late. Like, the, I don't remember the last time I went to bed before midnight. I mean... I, even in even in school <laughs> i think we are the most rare kind really if i remember that bird study thing i think i think so i'll look it up afterwards really because I, I feel like everyone's a night owl but maybe i'm in like a little echo chamber and i'm just like all my friends are <laughs> yeah and i th- also think that a lot of people do it when maybe it doesn't fit them best and that's what's interesting about the nft space is it definitely is a lot of side hustlers still there's a lot of people that are full-time in it but like a lot of like when do you do your work if you're a side hustler nighttime right and there's that whole element i guess of prime time television but right now it's prime time twitter spaces and like people just collecting there at nighttime just seems to make sense at least in this time zone yeah that's i mean it's just super interesting something you've always been around the world of social media content creation i didn't know about the tiktok thing so there you go an interesting thing what was the tiktok content was it specific to your business uh well my niche was basically like funny beauty videos so that was my niche and uh my sister's niche was um she made videos for like the lgbtq community like coming out videos basically like confidence videos and stuff and she got sponsored by bumble she got sponsored by some pretty big big companies i mostly was sponsored by i mean big companies too but it was just all in like the beauty space you know and then i just got sent so much makeup i have so much makeup now which is great because i love makeup you mentioned Top Shot still being somewhere to go for people if they're just starting out. If somebody's just starting out in social media, is TikTok still somewhere to go? TikTok is the easiest way to uh, grow organically, to, to go viral organically. Like it's the easiest way to go viral organically and gain a large audience. I mean, I grew to almost a million followers. Like, you know, I mean, I don't know how long it took, but it, it took months, but it was like, it, you know, you can't just do that super easily on Instagram. That's for sure. And I mean, I think Twitter for the NFT space, it's really relatively easy to grow a following. Yeah, I mean, TikTok definitely is 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 an easy uh, platform. As long as you put a lot of time into your videos. Like I would put like at least five hours into one, you know, 20 second video. <laughs> it was like the time it takes to prepare, film, edit, all that. It's just like you have to put in more effort to make it seem effortless and, you know, easy and make people want to watch it. Obviously, create content is kind of like the overarching tip for someone starting. Same thing, you know, you had a cousin who's like, oh, I want to start on TikTok. You know, what should I do? What would you kind of tell them how to get started? I would say, um, number one, figure out what type of content you feel like you could create every single day and love. What are you good at? What are you good at creating? And just do that. Make sure you're very niche specific. Don't just create a, a channel. Oh, it's... It's not like Instagram where like you could just make it about you and then do all the all these other things like here's my food. Um, I'm going hiking. Oh, here's this business idea I have like that, you know, just a ton of different things. For TikTok, it has to be very niche specific. You're basically trying to train the algorithm to put out your content to the right audience so that you can be constantly growing from like the right audience that you want. So yeah, find a niche 
figure out what you want to do, you know, every single day and, and post consistently at least every other day, at least, and put a lot of time into your videos if you actually want to do well. I guess you get out what you put in. Although that cranberry ocean spray dude just like that wasn't too much effort, I guess, but that was super cool. No, that was a lot. Of, <laughs> but but people don't realize that he had been posting for like almost like a year. Like I remember following him like months before he went and he was just posting every day. You know, he was just posting every day and... Yeah, yeah. I yeah, I remember that. That's that's such a good story of like resilience and I guess patience is another word we use uh, like a buzzword, but it's like if you actually understand what it means and see people doing it. I have people all the time be like, "Oh, I started streaming on Twitch or I started building my YouTube and like nobody watches, so like I'm going to give up." And it's like, "How long have you done it?" And it's like 10 days. <laughs> yeah, give it time and yeah, give it time. Give it time. I'm a big believer that if somebody sticks with something for, I, I think the window would be like reasonable, my opinion. I'm curious if yours differs. I would think if somebody sticks with it for like four years, they're almost like guaranteed success. What do you think? Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I don't, I haven't, I don't think I've done anything for four years besides school. So I don't really know. I mean. <laughs> so maybe it would be less than, I don't know. Uh, it, it depends what you're trying to accomplish, I think. Yeah, for sure. I just, I see people give up all the time and I'm like, you just, you know, with more consistency and, and time, it would kind of happen. So you have a podcast. Let's jump into that because I would love to uh, tell people about it. I think it's going to be something that continues to grow in popularity if you're planning on keeping it going. So what's the podcast called and what's it all about? Yeah, I know. I might, I might just quit tomorrow. I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. Um, it's called the NFT. Four years. Four years. <laughs> yeah. Four, oh no, four years. The NFT Catcher Podcast with Jenny from the blockchain. That's me and my co-host, Michael Keane. And we have 8,000 downloads already. Like people have been listening listening in at first there wasn't that many people but then it's like it started compounding and people started like listening which is really cool so build and they will come right that's what they say so yeah it's great and we basically talk about i mean we don't capture everything but we kind of try to recap what happened in the week in the nft space so kind of like some major events like you know this last week we were like talking about ethlings quitting and like um we, we talked about la liga uh partnering with dapper labs and we were talking about byo pills and how they're doing and you know um house akiba is coming out with their uh, avatar project and just like all these different things that are happening all these different projects and we just talk about like as much as we can for an hour yeah it's interesting i i feel that podcast is still underrated somehow in the sense that like people think it's saturated but it's not audio is where it's at and people being able to walk or do a workout or whatever is like yes while listening yeah. yeah exactly while consuming it just makes too much sense and it's still early with a lot of these things because we're right around them I feel like we think that it's not new anymore and, and we maybe move on or like think like we're too late anybody could still start a podcast and it could help them be successful in terms of somebody wanting to get started like do you, how do you record do you record locally do you use a software how do you kind of approach it we have a producer that like uploads it and stuff so I, I don't know too much of the details I just kind of show up <laughs> to the zoom link meeting and we just hit record i don't know yeah i think we upload to like buzzfeed or something and then we're on like apple and spotify but yeah we have a producer that kind of like does all that kind of stuff so yeah that's perfect when you're the talent it's like being in the movies and you get to show up do your thing that's what home. i said when when punch the clock yeah and my co-host had reached out to me initially saying like 
hey, I want to start a podcast and you know, you're kind of known in the space and I would love to kind of have you be my co-host, like do a podcast together. And I didn't even know the dude. I was like, you know, let's meet, you know, do a Zoom meeting. And we had a Zoom meeting and we hit it off. And I was like, I would be down as long as all I have to do is basically just like show up and record. And then, you know, of course I'll promote it and stuff, but I don't know about like uploading and all this other stuff. And he's like, yeah, I'll get my buddy to like produce it for us and whatever. And I was like, all right, cool. So we made it work. Yeah. Yes, I need one of those someday. So when it comes to uh, promoting it, you said 8,000 downloads already. That part's pretty cool. Something to celebrate those small wins and just keep building and building as it grows. Did you do anything or was that like, again, just algorithm based and people are downloading it? It was just organic, I think. I mean, I, oh, well, let me see. A couple combinations. So of, of course, I've tweeted about it. You know, I have a yacht link in my bio and it's like it's in the yacht link uh michael my co-host he's kind of popular on clubhouse and so people will find it through that also the dgen network we have to shout out the dgen network they basically like show like a bunch of nft podcasts they show you know nft articles that are coming out and they're just kind of like the place to go for nft information and so from day one they hosted us on their platform which is really cool so and i think that helped as well so yeah shout out to them Yeah, that's great. It's one of those questions that definitely comes up a lot, right? Like, how do I actually get people to listen besides, you know, sort of the obvious? Um, Yeah. So I mean, before we wrap it, it would be cool to talk a little bit about like, just NFT projects, specifically, because I think that as a term is something that people don't really know what that means. So you referenced crypto kitties earlier, what does it mean when somebody says I'm going to build an NFT project? You know, right now, there's like so many people creating projects in the space. Uh, I mean, I mean, it kind of it kind of depends. A lot of the times, people like to create these like 10k generative avatar profile picture projects because that's what's popular right now. Although I do think that that is starting to get saturated. But you know, there's other type of types of projects too. Like we talked about um, DCL blogger, and you know, his project is MediKey, which is really awesome. And um, it's not an avatar project, but it is you know an NFT project, and uh, it's basically built on the premise of of him trying to integrate into as many, you know, amazing projects as he can and, you know, provide value to the people holding these MediKeys. But yeah, there's so many different things you can do for projects. I mean, let's see, I'm actually featured in someone's project, The Collector Chronicles. This artist actually created The Collector Chronicles where he shows, I guess, like a known like collector in the NFT space and then just creates this environment around them with like a bunch of like NFT art everywhere. And he like creates like only like hundred of them and he just has been featuring all these awesome people dingling one of the biggest whales on top shot he owns like uh over 70 number one serials and everything he was just featured in the last one and so there's so many different ways you can do projects so so i don't know i've never had my own That's interesting. Yeah, I'll check it out. This Joe Rogan being able to talk about um, being able to right click and save the JPEG obviously went viral. And that kind of like joke has been around for a long time. But for people who say like they still don't get it, right? I show them a picture of like my bunny or whatever. And they're like, I still don't get it. What's the actual use cases? Like why would someone want the JPEG of an ape or a bunny or whatever else it is beyond the art? What do people get from it? Access, status, community, you know, being able to permanently own it, 
buy, sell, trade. If you right-click save something, yeah, you get to visually see it, but you don't actually own it. You can, you know, screenshot the Mona Lisa, but you don't actually own it, you know? But yeah, like for example, the Board Ape Yacht Club, they're doing so great and they came out this year, which is insane. CryptoPunks was the first 10K generative avatar project. They started out, there's 10,000 of them. You know, you can mint them for 0.08 and the floor now I think is like 40 Ethereum just for one. And, and that's because of, I think the community that they've really cultivated is like insane. There's such a strong community. It's a status thing too. If you have a board ape as your profile picture on Twitter, somebody knows that that thing is worth at least 40 ETH. I know it's like, okay, flexing, but it's like, you can't just flex how much money you have in a picture, but now you kind of can <laughs> because you can flex your, your, your avatars and everything. And it's like, everyone knows that you're like part of the community and you know, they've been doing really awesome things. All these airdrops, you know, the kennel dogs they did, the mutants. They're going to be throwing a whole yacht club party. And I think you can only go if you have an ape. They're going to be building out a club in Miami. Really just like a membership in a way. You know, I I would say think of it as like a membership, just kind of like lifelong access to all these things. And that's why it's good to like either go for established projects or people that you believe in, you know, teams and people. Because a lot of people are creating these pictures thinking it's just about the RO, just let's just create these cute little things. And and it's like from these anonymous teams and they could just easily, once they sell out, they get a couple million dollars, they could just easily decide, oh, I don't want to continue to build because I don't have to, (laughs) you know? And so there's, you know, nobody's holding these anonymous people accountable, which is why it's nice when people come out with projects that are not anonymous and you actually know who they are, who the people are behind it. Because you're really betting on the team. You're really betting on the people behind the project. Yeah, I was starting to build a project with a group of people and I I wouldn't knock them because I think what they're doing may end up proving very valuable for holders and be really legit. But in many ways, they wanted to be anonymous and there was like a certain level of like, well, it it was even like discussed, like how much are we going to split from this? And like, there was like always a focus on end game being money at that drop, right? And so I just said like, I'm out. And then, you know, their attitude was certainly like, well, you're going to be missing out on your 200K or whatever. And I'm like, it's fine. It's not what I'm looking to build. And that's okay. You guys enjoy. Um, and now I've <laughs> yeah. been working to build a, a much more like sustainable thing that I would love like any of those super successful projects to be able to like just have that be my lifelong work when I wake up at 10 a.m. every day for the rest of life. Right. And and I, I love investing in like Buster, for example, Buster Shear put out his likes because all the proceeds, he's never taken them himself. He's just reinvesting them in his podcast. And that's kind of, you know, the vibe there. And, you know, um, some different people's work like that, I think is super cool. You tweeted something to the effect of that going to be a crazy month in the space and you can feel it when you say crazy month in the space what does that look like it's just because i was thinking about all of the different things that that were going to be happening and i was like and i feel it too i just feel like it's going to be insane like it's this feeling you have to trust your gut so we'll see if it's crazy or not but i do feel like it's gonna be crazy are you going to nft nyc at all no you oh my god you totally should yeah everyone's going everyone's gonna be there I'm going next year. I got to work on my project. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Here's the one thing I will mention. And it's funny because a lot of OGs, like it's so it's so funny to see the differences because it doesn't even get talked about at all, right? But I'm a V friend and like that's what the bunny in my profile picture is, is a V friend and then VCon, you know, that'll be pretty crazy. Yeah, I don't know. I'm looking forward to being a big part of all of these ventures. That'll probably be my first one. And then, you know, hopefully next fall go. There's lots of cool things that I could be a part of and I want to do all all them, which maybe next year I will be able to do all of them. That's sick that you have a V friends. Is that how you got into the NFT space? 
So for me personally, I uh, was around like similarly with kitties and punks, watched it all, kind of like pay attention to the space and kicking myself a bit for underestimating what could have been. I'm sure you <laughs> are and everybody pretty much is, right? By not like fully engaging at that point or a lot of people anyways. Same thing with the apes, you know, like even looking at them on secondary, it was like, yeah, they look cool, you know, like meh. But yeah, it was it was really finally getting my act together was the way that he did the like reverse Dutch auction for V friends. One of my close friends who's a really successful social media marketer does a lot of Facebook work and Google ads for big brands and, and celebrities and stuff was like, yo, I'm, I'm buying a V friend. And I was like, all right, I'm in. And I don't know why, like I, at that point would have been for me to quadruple down and buy 10 of them, right? Like, cause they were super, like they were, I think they were, the floor was 0.5 ETH. Oh, they got that low. I didn't know. I, cause they started 2.5, 2.5 ETH. Yeah. They didn't sell that right Like a, two weeks in. Yeah, yeah. But about two weeks into the project, he was on uh, a podcast and was like, these are never going to be this cheap ever again. So yeah, I should just opened it up and bought 10 and whatever. But anyways, live and learn. So yeah, so I just got the one. And I, it's funny because people are like, oh, it's so crazy. Your, your one bunny's worth whatever, 80K. It's like, yeah, but it's, awesome. for me, it's like $0, right? Because I'm never selling it. So it's more about the membership part. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. It's like, if you look at it in USD, it's like, oh my God, like this, you know, could be life changing money. And especially for those people holding those super valuable apes and all that. But no, they just want to have it instead of having the money, which is, you know, and that's such like a crazy concept as well. It's so interesting. Yeah, I think it's pretty special. What are some terms? Like, let's have a little bit of fun quickly, like, because we've already, you said floor. So I think people could kind of like intuitively figure out what floor means is basically the lowest price of that current one. But what are some other terms that people won't know when they first hop on there? WGMI. We're going to make it. Let's see. What else? Oh, NGMI. This is your new TikTok content. <laughs> yeah, right. No, I'm a retired TikToker. <laughs> but, you know, for the next, for the next uh, NFT TikToker to come around. Okay. NGMI. Not going to make it or never going to make it. Ugh, what else? Now I got to think because I just, ugh, I don't know. You help me. <laughs> I like the when stuff. Like when people use when. Right? Oh, yeah. Like when moon. Like when is something going to go to the moon? You know, the price is going to skyrocket. I, oftentimes when I see the PFPs that are just like super ripoffs, I just type when rug underneath. <laughs> oh my God. And rug. Yeah. Rug's another thing. What does rug mean? Pull the rug out from under you. Basically, people just abandoning something. <laughs> Abandoning the project. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, GM and GN was obviously a big Good morning. Yeah. cultural thing. So that's also in my in my project is like just sneaking those in just only one per as well. Um, one of those little things I posted that a little while back of like, what are some acronyms that are in the space? You don't have your own project, but is that coming up? No, I don't have any plans to have my own project. I mean, I was happy to be featured in someone else's. Um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, I got my hands full here. I'm doing a lot, you know, working full time for Evaluate, doing my podcast, my YouTube channel, you know, I'm on Twitter, buying and selling NFTs as well. So, I mean, it's already a lot. I don't really have any plans for a project, but I'm happy to uh, buy uh, other people's, I guess. Depending on the route you take as an influencer in the space, I think that's super important. I see a lot of people, I won't name names, but I know some of them fairly well too. It is like not even bordering on unethical. It's not appropriate how they're approaching wanting to host YouTube to talk or like your podcast to discuss the space and then also buying in like a second wallet and trying to pump it because they know that they have that much influence now. It's like as soon as, and it's going to happen very fast, the legality pieces of, of things join this space, which like will happen quickly because that's 
it's a whole business too. People like that. It, it'll be a lot different than it is, you know, can't do that on YouTube, right? In terms of like e-commerce or things like that, because it's also regulated. And so that part of things will become regulated. So it's good for you to just continue to build a brand where people can trust you, you know? So I think if you do enter a project, you're going to have to kind of really be super transparent more than somebody who doesn't create the actual NFT content. Yeah. And I think, you know, what you're saying too, it's like building the trust of your audience, you know, like so many projects reach out and they're like, Hey, how much do you charge, you know, to shill my project? Like to shill, shill means basically like promote, you know, and I don't ever, I, I've never taken money to shill anything because I don't want to do that. You know, I mean, I, yeah, it's kind of like you chip away at the trust. And I kind of learned that with TikTok too, you know, when I started doing ads and stuff, it was like, I realized that, you know, you kind of chip away at the trust of your audience and also people don't really like them and it, it performs less and it kind of stunts your growth a little bit so it's like the best thing is just your integrity or you know at least disclose for the people that are getting paid to show things it's like at least disclose that you're actually getting paid you know no for sure play by the rules at least absolutely but in the right way that opportunity will be there for you and i look forward to, to supporting it in whatever way do you have a favorite project as a collector though or anything like that like so near and dear to your heart i mean of course the collector chronicles that i'm in because what i love that he did too was every time you come, he comes out with a new chapter if you have all the previous ones you basically get to buy the new one at mint cost so like 0.05 but they sell it so fast so it's like i'm glad i get to like reserve it and buy it you know i love that i love that he created that uh, whole concept and everything but okay besides that man i mean i love my cool cat i love my cool cat i i had a moment of weakness i almost sold it but it is my long-term hodl yeah i bought for like 0.6 and like the floor is now like 10 you know and i'm just like uh that's kind of a lot of money <laughs> but you know it's like it's you know uh, well thankfully i'm that's the same numbers for me with my rabbit oh really yeah so it's like <laughs> so, don't you sometimes feel like you're like oh my god you're like a little tempted did you know to sell it or maybe maybe you don't get tempted no i do every day my, oh yeah the floor, See, i think yeah. my the floor of yeah, mine's like and you 13 have to, like, resist right now. be like no nope, i'm holding on to this i told myself i would yeah <laughs> yeah yeah. It's, it's a crazy thing. Yeah. Cause you do the math. You're like, well, if I sell this, then I can buy this many of deadheads or like, I love sad girls recently. And that sort of like Phoenix rising of the fame lady squad, that whole event was pretty cool. Oh my God. That was so insane. <laughs> yeah. So basically the fame lady squad for anybody listening came out as like, oh, we're the first female, you know, all female led team. And then it turns out to be a bunch of Russian dudes and everyone got super mad at me. You know, it was like and and they're they basically have been making a ton of different projects too that wasn't their first they you know that's kind of their specialty which i'm like not surprised because they're anonymous the community ended up taking it over art chick was kind of like the middle woman between it and they handed it over to her the, con the smart contract and then from there she gave it to board becky and uh nft ignition and they kind of like took it over which is like wow how often does something like that just happen that was wild that was honestly probably the moment for me when I got most engaged in the space because two things happened for me in that one. I mean, for one, they had good marketing, good timing. You know, they got a lot of people with that, you know, and a lot of other people bought in and you can see who buys it, this and that. So I bought a few. And then when that happened, I was like, are you serious? But I wasn't that surprised, obviously, because of the space and the anonymous part. But I did um, DM board Becky that exact moment. And I have to go back and read it because I said something to the effect of like, this could, if you treat it the right way, become the best story that exists. Like, you don't have an opportunity to write that script. It's like a movie, right? Like you, you can write a movie, but this is more like sports where you don't write it. Like whatever happens 
happens and this has happened. So now you can kind of flip it and it could be pretty damn cool. A lot of people will rally around that more than like some new project that has no history. Uh, the other thing that happened was about a week before that, I had reached out to that dev team to get them on my podcast. Cause I was like saying, I was saying like, I, we need to educate people in the NFT space. I would have asked similar questions to what we asked in this episode. Imagine them answering that. I just got like really weird answers. Makes a lot of sense now, right? Like I was wanting to help a women's project promote themselves and they're like we're just too busy but it was like <laughs> super short not great english so it all made sense a week oh later my gosh, which is crazy so i was like i'll probably screenshot and or i have the screenshots i'll mint those someday exposed <laughs> yeah uh anyways this has been awesome i have a few themed questions i ask everybody that is kind of nice to tie together and, and the first one is if you were to give advice for the the next generation of people coming up you know that are in high school right now and they're looking to, to do their thing what's any piece of advice on any topic though that you would give the next gen? I would say the advice that somebody gave me, somebody that was my mentor, they said, sometimes you just have to jump without a parachute and you'll figure it out along the way. And that's what I would say, especially for the young people. That makes me think of a Chris Stapleton song. Like maybe somebody else will be your parachute too. Is your mentor Ty Lopez? No, it was, no, it was, um, he's not a known person, but. Uh, one thing that you yourself are learning right now. One thing that I'm learning myself, ooh, Man, I mean, I'm learning every day about the NFT space, but okay, maybe something different. I recently just started getting back into working out. So learning how to focus on something besides, you know, what's happening in the space. You know, it's like you become so like involved in the space and you're just like on all the time. Just disconnecting and, you know, working out and, you know, listening to music and not like, you know, worrying about, you know, what's happening and like, oh, is, is you know, there a job or whatever. Just work out and don't think about anything else. Like I'm learning to do that. You know, I'm learning to do that. And it's, it's honestly not too easy. Yeah, I thought I had it figured out a couple of weeks ago. And then all of a sudden you get back into being busy with it. So it can be tough for sure. And then finally, uh, you're good with social media marketing and content creation. Uh, if you were to ask a question of me that you think could help my audience with the work that I'm doing, like what's a question that you would ask me? What motivates you to continue to put out podcasts? All right. The short answer for me for sure is that I feel like there are a lot of bad players in this space, whether it's NFT or business uh, or entrepreneurship or social media in general that don't bring good advice uh, for one. And I also feel that I don't want to say people are lazy because it's not easy to, to organize things and book guests and go through the work that like you were gracious enough to do with this. There is a layer of it that makes it more difficult to connect good speakers to youth trying to learn how to achieve these goals and so those two things are super motivating for me. At the base of it all is just trying to improve people's mental health by enjoying more of what they're doing in life. So it's all easy to motivate for sure. Nice. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> well, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. It's been an awesome episode and I just can't wait to see all the amazing things you do in the NFT space and with whatever else you come up with because you could pivot. You never know. Exactly. <laughs> and you too. Yeah, I'm looking forward to your project coming out and finding out more about that. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much, Justin. Appreciate it. And scene. All right. Peace. Such a great episode. Hope these really help you or someone you know. It's hard to get all these incredible stories out to the world though, so please do pass them along. 
Thank you to our guest, Jenny. She's a great leader in a very new and confusing space of NFTs and Web3 and just a great person all around. It's our goal to have this help millions of people, so please do subscribe, leave reviews, but most importantly, pass it on to someone who might benefit. Until the next episode, all the best and remember, just keep learning.